Welcome to Doing a World of Good, a podcast from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, shining the light on the positive works of our members and supporters. I'm your host, Bob Norm. Our guest today could not only teach you a thing or two about materials and biochemical engineering, he could also operate on your knees when he was done. Dr. Cato Lorenzen is clearly the epitome of a Renaissance man. Yes, he's widely considered to be one of the top orthopedic surgeons in the country, and yes, he's a professor of several chemical engineering disciplines at the University of Connecticut. But perhaps he is best known for his pioneering leadership in the field of regenerative engineering. As the founding director of the Regenerative Engineering Society and through his own research, he is leading the charge toward broader understanding of biochemical reactions in the body to identify methods for enhancing natural regenerative processes. This is truly some mind-blowing work. Welcome, Dr. Lorenzen. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, you did your undergrad work in chemical engineering at Princeton, and then you went on to get your medical degree from Harvard, while at the same time you pursued and obtained your PhD in biochemical engineering from MIT. Clearly, you were on to something. What drove you to pursue such seemingly divergent career paths at the same time? Well, they didn't seem that divergent at the time. I uh, started uh, at Princeton because I had visited the campus and loved the school. And uh, I was interested in a lot of different things when I finished uh, high school, including music and uh, biochemistry, but was really attracted to the engineering program there. Uh, once I got to, uh, to Princeton, I... Uh, met my first engineering mentor, and that was Dr. Ernest Johnson, who I met, who was my engineering advisor, who really cemented my interest in uh, going into chemical engineering and, uh, and was really, um, really interested in continuing in the area uh, of uh, chemical engineering at some point, at, at, in some way, shape, or form afterwards. Uh, but I was always going to be a doctor. I love medicine, love taking care of people. And, well, uh, let me stop you there. That, that's pretty interesting. So you, you went into engineering first, but you clearly wanted to be a doctor all along. That's kind of a, you know, a strange way to approach things. You must have had some kind of inkling that engineering was going to play some kind of important role in your, your medical profession. Well, I really wasn't, uh, wasn't really clear. I, just, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to be a physician, but I also knew I wanted to do more than medicine. And so uh, was very excited about the possibility of, uh, of uh, perhaps combining uh, these areas, but really wasn't sure at that time in terms of how we were going to uh, move forward. So let me ask you, um, you know, obviously you were working towards some kind of vision when you got out of engineering school, you know, when you got out of Princeton and you went toward getting your medical degree at Harvard. Um, you were pursuing some kind of vision as far as what regenerative engineering could achieve, or you, put, you didn't even have a word in your mind at that point. Well, at the time, no. So uh, when I finished at when I finished Princeton, I actually started at the uh, Harvard Medical School Kennedy School of Government combined MD MPP program. I was going to be doing a master's in public policy in addition to my medical degree. I was very interested in uh, public policy, very interested in public service. And um, Now, how did those two things get together? You're, you're so involved with so many different things, public policy and medicine. What were, your, what were you trying to achieve by going after both of those fields? Well, it wasn't really you know, clear. Obviously, uh, as Press Pester says, fortune favors the prepared mind. Right. And so, um, and I 
pursuit areas, uh, traditionally pursuit areas that I've just I've been interested in. Um, you know, with the long term vision is if, is that uh, if you do good things, good things happen. Right. So I started uh, at uh, the medical school my first year, and really um, uh, was actually supposed to go to this to my to uh, the Kennedy School of Government the second year. Um, but I decided to revisit my engineering roots and started working at MIT for the first summer and really found that I, I loved the work that I was doing. Um, I deferred another year in terms of going to the Kennedy School and, and making a decision and then continued working uh, while uh, as a medical student, but also working part time doing, uh, doing research at MIT and really decided that this was really what, something I wanted to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, when did you first start realizing the vast potential of applying engineering processes to essentially hack the body into better performance? I don't like to use the term hack the body. We bone doctors and orthopedic surgeons always <laughs> use that. But I would say that um, it's really a progression of time. So um, if, we fa- if, we, if we look backwards in, in time, uh, again, it was a very important time. This is in the 1900s where I started, when I started my PhD program, I met Bob Langer, um, who was uh, just a, a fascinating and, and brilliant uh, young assistant professor in, um, who was working in the area of uh, polymeric drug delivery and uh, uh, was very, very fortunate, in retrospect, super fortunate uh, to have met him and start to work uh, as a student under him. Um, and at that time, uh, working in the area of drug delivery systems and this concept of using materials and cells and, and, uh, and, and these different areas for regeneration of tissues really wasn't around then. This is in the early 1980s. Um, and um, I finished my PhD and I finished my MD uh, within weeks of each other in 1987. Um, and this was really just at the dawn when people were starting to talk about how we may be able to engineer living tissues. And this was really the dawn of what people were calling, starting to call uh, tissue engineering. And so I was very fortunate to be um, at that place at that time and to start uh, and decide to start to work in that area. Well, that's, that's really fascinating. And it's just like, and quite frankly, very impressive that you've managed to get two such complicated degrees within such a short period of time uh, completed. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, as a pioneer in the space, you must have been pretty much alone when it comes to your educational skill sets. I mean, how did you find and help find anybody to help you, anybody to have the talents necessary to assist you, considering the fact that you were pretty much inventing the field as you went along? Well, I, I, again, the, the founder of the field really is, uh, there are a couple of founders of the field. Obviously, YC Fung, uh, UC San Diego first coined the, uh, the term uh, Bob Langer is, is, is probably is known as is, is the founder of the field and um, has been known pretty widely for finding for right. being the founder. And so I was fortunate to be able to uh, to be able to work under his tutelage in terms of my graduate work. Um, but then I had another opportunity that was, was very exciting. I, when I finished my PhD, I had an opportunity to join the faculty as an instructor of biochemical engineering at MIT. Um, while at the same time pursuing my residency work in, in uh, orthopedic surgery, which was a fantastic time and a fantastic environment uh, where I was able to start and open my laboratory at MIT while, while conducting my orthopedic surgery training. 
uh, and this provided me a unique opportunity to really start to work to bridge uh, the research end and the clinical end. Were you, when you say bridge the gap between the two, bring the two uh, fields together, were you um, actively working with patients at that point, or was it mainly laboratory work in terms of studying tissue and trying to figure out what could be possible with patients? Well, on the research side at MIT, again, we were just we were we were doing basic studies of material science. In those days, uh, we were just we were understanding how cells, particularly musculoskeletal cells, which is obviously my area, how they behave on materials, and because it really was a a new field, and so a number of our first papers were really uh, basic science papers on the interaction with cells and materials. Um, later, we moved toward how to, you know, looking at questions of, about how we actually construct three-dimensional uh, tissues and at first two-dimensional and three-dimensional uh, constructs for tissue regeneration. Uh, but in the early days, in the, in the, in the 80s, late 80s, um, we were doing very, very fundamental studies and very, very fundamental work. What was your first big breakthrough when you were working with those initial studies? What kind of led you to say, my God, I got to do this for the rest of my life? Well, we, we've, we've had a, a few mountaintops that we've been able to cross. And I think the first was when we started to work with three-dimensional systems for bone regeneration in the 1980s. And we first worked with um, constructing polymer-based microsphere matrices that we were able to utilize for bone regeneration and demonstrate that uh, the in vitro principles in terms of making them work and then demonstrating that they work in vivo. Uh, and um, that was, and then we worked from there to construct systems using polymers and polymer ceramic systems for regeneration uh, and we were able to make that work. And, and I think that a, a number of these papers and studies were actually pi very pioneering in terms of the concepts of from in that time. Um, and I'm honored, uh, one of the things I'm honored about is that uh, the AICHE recognized uh, the work and at their centennial in 2009, uh, they named the 100 engineers of the modern era and they named me as one of the 100 um, engineers, chemical engineers of the modern era. And their specific citation was uh, for the development of polymer ceramic systems uh, for bone regeneration. So... What's the, what kind of recent breakthroughs have been kind of on your mind here um, as of late? I mean, anything that you've had a specific breakthrough on or anything that you've seen happen in research out in the field that's got you particularly excited about what the possibilities for regenerative engineering are? Well, the, the, the excitement that I have, first of all, I'm excited about a lot of the work that we're doing. We've got about 14 or 15 major pro uh, projects that are going on. Very excited about uh, the work that we've done in soft tissue regeneration with the anterior cruciate ligament. Um, the ACL is the uh, is a is a soft tissue. It's a ligament which connects bone to bone. It's really that when when a, someone says that they have a knee injury and they're out for the season, it's usually because they've torn uh, their ACL. And so we worked over a period of about twelve years to. Um, regenerate the ACL and really have been successful in terms of regenerating the entire ACL in, uh, in animals. And now uh, we've moved it to clinical trials and, and now that's something in, 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 uh, that's now in humans and working in humans. And it's really great to see that progression that's, take, that, that, that's taken place. More recently, um, Veterans Day a year and a year and a half ago, uh, we announced a, a, a bold new plan 
uh, and that was to regenerate a knee in seven years and an entire limb in 15 years. And we call the project the Hartford Engineering a Limb Project or the HEAL Project. Um, and it's a plan that um, really combines uh, a lot of elements of technology to allow us to be able to, to make it happen. Now we're, we're just starting our third year and people are asking us uh, um, where we are in terms of being able to... Um, of course, uh, everybody wants it faster than it and can be I, done. <laughs> I, as I've said, we've got our foot in the door right now so right. to speak, in terms of making this happen. And, uh, but we're on, we're on our way. Um, what, we, what we said then, and we believe now, is that in order to make it occur, we've got to combine new technologies and create a brand new toolbox for regeneration. And this is the concept that I've put forth of saying that we have had this concept of, of tissue engineering, which really started in the late 80s, 87, 88, it's been around for about almost about 30 years now. And so at the 25th anniversary of this of tissue engineering, I said that we needed to think about a, a new field, uh, basically combining a toolkit that's that's broader, number one, and a, 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 a toolkit that actually utilizes the best of of the attributes of the different components of the toolkit to allow for us to be successful. And so this new toolkit we, we call regenerative engineering, which is uh, a, com a combination of what's been new over the last quarter century, which is advanced material science and nanotechnology, our ability to understand and use stem cells, areas of developmental biology, areas of uh, new areas of physics and understanding physical forces and their, their influence on cells and materials, uh, and also clinical translation, getting clinicians involved to allow for 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 regeneration to occur. And it's this, it's not only these different technologies, but it's also the concept of convergence, that we can bring these technologies together in a way in which each technology helps each other in terms of being able to develop new science. And so we think that, um, that, that using regenerative engineering and using the convergence approach in terms of bringing these technologies together we have the opportunity to be able to do some new things and, and make new breakthroughs in terms of science and engineering. Now, what's your hope for the field? Obviously, your, your, your basic hope is that people will be able to regenerate specific body parts that are broken or somehow dysfunctional. Um, do you imagine a day when we'll be able to regenerate limbs on our own or because of the processes that you put in place? Or is this always going to be a laboratory thing where you you basically start the process in the lab and then apply it to the human being? Well, I think it's going to be a combination. We see that this regenerative engineering paradigm will have a number of different, uh, number of different uh, foci. Uh, some will start in the laboratory and then end in the patient. Some we're, we're starting some new work where that may be in a, in a doctor's office where we have a regenerative engineering process, perhaps with a bioreactor that actually becomes an office procedure that allows for regeneration to occur. So we have a, a, a number of broad strategies in terms of this regenerative process, but, uh, but, but it does, all these processes have some, some commonality. Number one is that we believe that the body itself is a, is a bioreactor that can be used to help regeneration. Number two, that, that the body itself has, a, has regenerative capacity that can be harnessed and, and uh, used. 
Number three is that we believe that that advances in material science are, are extremely important and a key key area for regeneration to occur, and that we know now we uh, we um, that that we have the ability to be able to uh, really um, uh, uh, manage and and uh, manipulate the uh, the the uh, in vivo environment using materials and material science uh, in, in ways that we haven't thought of before. And number four, we think that we believe that stem cells and our ability to be able to manage them and, and, and utilize stem cells is going to be important for us to be able to, to uh, move forward. Um, and lastly, we understand that, that regenerative engineering is taking place all the time in the operating room with clinicians. Um, if I perform an operation to repair, say, the rotator cuff, um, I am actually counting on the body to be a bioreactor to finish the job that I've started. Right, right, absolutely. Because it's just like the surgeon can only put things in place, the body has to do the healing. Right, so, right. so we count on that regenerative process in terms, of, uh, in terms of this regenerative engineering process to take place. And so we are, we are excited about now making sure that this new field is a field that actually has uh, the, the, the clinical attributes appreciated and uh, engaged in the area. So we've now taken this concept of regenerative engineering to an, an, a couple of other levels. One is that we now have a new journal uh, called Regenerative Engineering and Translational Medicine, which is really trying to bring these areas together to move forward. Uh, we've started a new society called the Regenerative Engineering Society, and we launched that society as a society that will allow us to be able to bring people from across these disparate areas to, together to be able to look at um, creating new new bold initiatives um do you find um pure engineering um people uh, in individuals engineering professionals wanting to get involved as well as medical professionals or is it mainly you know concentrated among medical professionals no it's actually concentrated among uh, engineers it's a really uh, engineers are i think the most interested in this area uh uh Scientists, clinicians, others are also, but it's really for every. It's it's really a for a, an area for everyone. So it's a true collaborative discipline among the different um, skill sets. Yes, and we're very very proud that the American Institute of Chemical Engineers has really embraced this concept of regenerative engineering, and we had discussions with the uh, AICHE, and now our regenerative engineering society is now a community inside the AICHE, and now we're part of the AICHE. Uh, we have a web presence now with AICHE, and um, their staff you know, works with our staff in terms, of, uh, in terms of programming and putting on meetings. Um, what, is the, what is the website for that, just for the audience to know? Well, if you go to, if you go to, to uh, the www.aiche uh, website, and uh, on the on the first page, you'll see the different communities, and we're under RES, Regenerative Engineering Society. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, w what are the big challenges for you, that you're facing right now? I mean, obviously, you're trying to regenerate uh, certain body parts uh, over the next few years. You're trying to get progress. What what kind of challenge or roadblock are you facing right now that you're working very hard to overcome? Well, I think that we're, we're now in this area where we're in this of, of super optimism of our ability to be able to move these areas forward. Uh, we um, uh, and we have a number of pro you know, projects that are that are that are moving us in terms of this, these, these in this direction. Um, 
very I'm very honored that we received the or I received the the NIH Pioneer Award, uh, Director's Pioneer Award, specifically for uh, regeneration of the knee. And so we are now um, working to, uh, to on, the, on the knee project with funding from NIH. Now the challenges, of course, are that, that that one has to create teams of individuals who embrace this area of convergence. And so we have created, under our Hartford Engineering, a limb project, we have heel teams. Uh, and the heel teams are teams that are focused on different aspects in terms of advanced materials, stem cell science. But also we make sure that they're integrated with individuals who are, who have expertise in other areas. And the, the, with the goal to, that, that is the, with the goal to have individuals who have, um, who have skills across the different areas and are able to bring their specific background and their specific uh, insights from their from their from their scientific area into the area uh, of uh, of uh, their counterparts. And so, um, how does uh, how are some of the principles of advanced material science? How can they help stem cell science? And uh, how are some of the principles of developmental biology? How can that influence how cells uh, work? These are some of the questions that we're trying to answer at this point. Well, I'm going to change gears here for just a minute because one of your many hats is that of being an educator. What can chemical engineering and the chemical engineering community do to attract top talent to the field, uh, better support your students, help them catch the vision for regenerative engineering? What, what can we do? Well, I think there are a few things. Number one, I, I'm, I'm very proud of our history in terms of working, in terms of development uh, of students and mentorship. And, and uh, we've, we've had a, a great history in, in terms of being able to, to, to do that. I've been, I'm honored that I've been to the White House and received the Presidential Award for Excellence in, 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 uh, in Science, Math, and Engineering, uh, mentoring from, uh, from the President, President Obama. Uh, and... Um, and I think that mentoring and development of students is something that is absolutely something that's key uh, for, uh, uh, for me, but also, I think, for the profession. Uh, AICHE has been also very, very actively involved and has a number of programs that, that they're very interested in starting. Um, we've worked with, I've worked with the uh, Minority Affairs Committee, uh, or MAC, here at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, and have been very excited about the work that they've done, and, and, uh, and we've got a Fairly robust scholarship program that we've uh, that that uh, and mentoring program uh, that's been set that's been set uh, uh, has been set up for the regenerative engineering society. Um, uh, this is a society that's also built on mentoring and developing people. So uh, we we're about to start the membership drive for the regenerative engineering society, and one of our phrases is that is that it's twenty under twenty. Twenty dollars if you're under twenty. Now, how many societies do you do they do you do you try to attract people under twenty? Well, we'd like to attract people in middle school. We like to have we like to have this society as the first society someone joins. And, That's uh, fascinating. Uh, I mean, to really concentrate on young individuals and help them catch the vision at an early age. That's that's pretty outstanding. Well, we're, we're, that's our plan. And so we'd love for a AICHE member to adopt a middle school that they went to and, and uh, cl a class in a middle school of 20 people, 20 under 20, it's 400 bucks to do that. Uh, what do the students get? Well, first of all, they get a certificate, which is, I guess, fun. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, uh, we've also tried to make uh, this, the, the concept of regenerative engineering something that could become more household. So we have the first journal in which um, 
every article uh, begins with a lay summary. Hmm. Instead of beginning with an abstract, it begins with a lay summary. Something that the average person can understand. The average person can understand. And so because we want, uh, we want people to be able to be enthralled and involved in the, in, the, in the science and the changes that are taking place in regenerative engineering, we also have a, our journal also has a news and view section that, which talks about some of the latest issues and latest, latest facts going on in terms of this area of regenerative engineering. Um, so that's something that's fairly unique in terms of the uh, in terms of this uh, in terms of the society is that this journal that has that uh, that background. The, the other part, the other point is that that most societies have members who are all scientists. We welcome members who are scientists, engineers, who are clinicians, but and also community individuals. We want to see people who are advocates for science who are interested in being and even learning more about science who can become full members we're planning to have fellows who are people who are accomplished individuals in um, in this area and we think that we're going to have community fellows people who are interested in really promulgating the interests of the uh, society and the uh, and the benefits of science and engineering for the society to also be you know fellows uh, who are working in communities and so we we see this as something um, we see the society as something that could be really important in terms of uh, embracing a larger audience of individuals uh, around the country who are interested in science. Lift the veil a bit, you know, and let people see what's underneath and see what's going on. That's fantastic. Well, um, in the spirit of the Doing a World of Good campaign, which of course is all about celebrating the positive works of our members and supporters. Do you have any last bits of wisdom or advice for our audience and how, how can they make a difference in the world around them? I mean, what, what would you say to everybody out there in the audience? Well, what, what, I, what I say, and I've said this before in terms of my, when I give talks, is that when, when it really comes down to it, uh, it's all about what you leave behind in life. Hmm. Um, and uh, people have asked me, what's success and you know, what is the definition of success? And what I've made it very, very clear is success is really what you leave behind. And the things that you leave behind are the three most important things, obviously, um, are your family and uh, your children, your wife, your, your spouse, um, your colleagues, uh, and uh, people you mentor and people who are, uh, that, you, that you've helped, and contributions to science and contributions to uh, science that can go on to help people uh, make a difference for people in terms of their lives. And um, my, my focus of my life has been you know, working in these three different areas. And, and when I talk to young, especially talk to young people about where their focus should be, you can do anything but focusing and making sure that, that, uh, that family mentorship and making a contribution to science in life, you know, those are the three really key things. Good words of wisdom there. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, Dr. Lorenzen. Thank you. Our guest today has been Dr. Cato Lorenzen. To find out more about his work and about the Regenerative Engineering Society, visit AICHE.org today. And for more details about the Doing a World of Good campaign, visit doingaworldofgood.org. Well, that does it for this episode of Doing a World of Good. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, search for us on your favorite podcast directory or visit doingaworldofgood.org. On behalf of everyone at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, I'm Bob Norp. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you.